For some golfers, the mental part of the game is often the toughest to master. Others, however, understand that the way they think shapes the way they play and strive to achieve a state of flow, the optimal performance zone in which time, control, effort, and awareness seem at once suspended and intense. And while flow can often lead to low scores in winning golf, the positive experience of playing at an optimal level while being immersed in the game can actually be much better than par. So, how do you get to that point? We'll talk to one of the world's most prominent sports psychologists to learn more about golf flow on this edition of Kinetic Connections. Hello and welcome once again to Kinetic Connections, the official podcast of Human Kinetics, the premier publisher for sports and fitness. I'm Maury Williamson, marketing and publicity manager at Human Kinetics. On this edition, we welcome Dr. Gio Valiante, one of the PGA Tour's most prolific performance consultants and a man once dubbed as Guru of the Year by the Golf Channel. For more than a decade, Dr. Valiante has worked with some of the tour's top golfers with a current client list that includes Matt Kuchar, Justin Rose, and Alexis Thompson. He is also the mental game consultant for the Golf Channel, Golf Digest, and the University of Florida, along with being the author of Golf Flow, a new book from Human Kinetics in which he teaches golfers to approach the game in a positive, worry-free state in which the sole focus is to master the moment, enjoy the process, and focus on playing fearlessly and freely. Dr. Valiante, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I touched briefly on flow in the introduction, but perhaps you can give our listeners a better idea of what exactly flow is as it pertains to golf and some of the ways it can improve their game. It's interesting. Flow states are these states of mind that happen when people stop overthinking and they get lost in the moment. And usually they happen when people are doing their favorite activity. And that's been uh, identified by a researcher named Mihai Csikszentmihalyi in in a very famous book called Finding Flow. And what happens in particular when golfers get into flow is that there's a couple characteristics, a couple of features. Time slows down. They get more focused. For golfers, the hole starts to look bigger. Fairways look wider. They don't notice the trouble. So they just go through this transformative state of mind where they see all the positives, none of the negatives, And it generally produces the best golf that they can play. Interesting. And we'll go back to that in a second. But let's talk a little bit about the mental aspect, the mental part of the game. In the book, you do stress how golfers are hurting their chances for success when they don't really take into account the mental part. They work all the time on their swings, other elements like that, but they kind of ignore the subjective power of the mind. What kinds of disadvantages are they at when they do that? Well, you know, it's it's interesting One of the characteristics of golfers in flow is that their mind is not cluttered by a lot of thoughts, right? They talk about having a quiet mind, right? Golfers always say, I was out there playing today with a quiet mind. Now, one of the things that's happening in modern day golf is people are so consumed with the golf swing and they fill their minds with so much information about the golf swing that it becomes antithetical to getting into flow. In other words, there are two games being played all over the world right now, both being played on golf courses, I might add. One is called golf, and the other is called golf swing. And, you know, people are out there just playing golf swing, thinking about their golf swings. They're not playing golf, and they're certainly not giving themselves too much of a chance to get into flow. 
Interesting. This is something I think we've seen in other sports as well. You, you were talking about what flow feels like, but you also talk about that subjective slowing down of time that is associated with flow. To me, it seems like Michael Jordan probably, that happened to him a few times, you know, some of those finals performances. But uh, when a golfer does that, what kinds of things can they see and do when they experience that slowing down of time? Well, first of all, I actually got to interview Michael Jordan many years ago oh, about really? his, his flow states. And, and Michael Jordan said that when he was in flow... It seemed like everyone else on the basketball court was going in slow motion, right, and that he could actually anticipate what people were going to do before they actually did it. So that's one of the one of the features of flow is this sort of anticipatory ability of what's going to happen two or three moves out. Now, when golfers get into flow, so you have the transformation of time where time slows down subjectively. You have this heightened state of awareness in which they're aware of everything around them. Golfers in flow say they notice a bird in a tree. They can hear something happening in the distance. But the irony there is, even though they have a wide level of awareness, they are completely focused on exactly what they're doing in the moment. So there's that paradox where they're aware of everything, but their focus is exactly where it needs to be. And the third sort of paradox we call the paradox of control. One of the things we know is that in golf, if you try to control things too much, you'll start trying to steer the golf ball around the golf course, and that does not lead to good golf. So the paradox of control is you have to gain control by actually giving up control. And and when people are in flow, they have total control of the golf ball. If they want to hit a fade, they hit a fade. If they want to hit a draw, they hit a draw. They can hit it high. They can hit it low. Again, that's one of the beautiful things about the flow state is how much control a golfer has over his emotions and over the golf ball. And speaking of that awareness about a golfer in flow states, you say they have perfect awareness of what they're doing. How much attention do they pay to you know the quality of their opponents, even their own score, score their opponents? Is that something they pay attention to that much while they're in a flow state? Therein lies the irony, no. When Matt Kuchar, for example, was in flow, when he won the, the Honda Classic in 2002, he ended up shooting 30 on the back nine, so six under par on the back nine, but he actually didn't know how many under par he was. He said he'd only realized it when he, after the round of golf, when he was checking his scorecard, he was counting, you know, one birdie, two birdie, three, he, he, he didn't know. So again, golfers, when they're in flow, are immersed in the process They're not really attached to results. Interesting. You know, obviously anybody who's ever played the game of golf or watched it knows that adversity can be a major part of the game. You say, though, it's important for golfers to not interpret bad shots or bad rounds as negative experiences. That sounds like a pretty tough thing to do. How should golfers prepare themselves to deal with adversity? The first thing is to understand that there's a difference between playing good golf and scoring well. And therein lies the the difficulty of the game. It's because you can play pretty good golf, but... Luck is part of the game. It's what we call variability, right? You can hit a good shot, and it'll take a bad kick. You can hit a good putt, it'll sit on the lip. You can hit, uh, oppositely, you can hit a bad drive, it'll kick off a tree. So if we attach too much to results in golf, it gets us away from the path to improvement. You know, we're always trying to stay immersed in the process of golf. And we look at scoring averages over time. But getting too attached to scores is definitely not uh, going to lead itself to the best state of mind. 
Let's look at something else you focus at on the, or in the book. You talk about two different kinds of golfers, mastery golfers and ego golfers. Can you give our listeners a, a little detail on the major differences between those kinds of golfers and how they approach the game? One of the more interesting uh, research projects I, uh, I ever uh, participated in happened about 10 years ago. We were asking golfers, why do you play the game of golf? Tell me why you play. Give me a list of the reasons why. We did this with hundreds of different golfers and came to find out the reasons why people play golf actually correlate to their score and their anxiety. And so there are two types of golfers. There are what we call mastery golfers. And the reason why mastery golfers play is it's basically intrinsic motivation because they love the game of golf. They like to practice. They like to improve. And the opposite type of golfer is what's called an ego golfer. And the reason why the ego golfer plays is because they want validation from other people or they want to impress people. So, again, mastery golfers play for love of the game. Ego golfers play to impress other people. And we know that ego golfers tend to experience higher anxiety, more embarrassment, more frustration, and overall worse performance. Do you see kind of an even split between those kinds of golfers on the PGA Tour? Or is, is there one a lot more of one than the other? By the time people have gotten to the PGA Tour, most ego golfers get filtered out along the way. Again, it's very hard to play consistently good golf while being an ego-driven golfer. Now, a couple of them exist, but again, they don't tend to sustain out there. So mastery golf is what leads to fearless golf and ultimately to flow. Okay, and that kind of brings up my next question. Um, an interesting point you bring up is that failure is actually a key variable in the equation of success for a mastery golfer. And that sounds kind of uh, strange to some people, I'm sure. But why do you think it's important for mastery golfers to become comfortable with failure? Well, because failure is built into the game. So what happens is if you're a golfer, and let's say you're a ma uh, an ego golfer and you're playing for another person's validation and you play badly, well, you're going to feel embarrassment. And if you're embarrassed, it's impossible to actually be psychologically free because embarrassment, you know, sort of shuts down the parts of the brain required to play, you know, golf in flow. Whereas mastery golfers, when they fail, they don't, they don't feel embarrassed. They feel curious, right? So, so what mastery golfers do is they use setbacks and adversity and failure as opportunities to actually improve. I'll give you an example. Justin Rose had never won on the PGA Tour, and when he and I started working and discussing flow, within four weeks, he went and won his first tournament. Now, what happened was the following week, he took the lead again up in Hartford, and on Sunday had the lead and almost won twice, but he did. He shot 70, I think 76 on Sunday, he had a, a pretty bad Sunday, and in that moment, he could have reacted with embarrassment and frustration or he could have reacted with curiosity and more motivation. Well, because he's a mastery golfer, he didn't get frustrated or embarrassed. He got curious, figured out what broke down in his golf swing, and then went out and won the next week. So it's how we respond to failure and adversity which determines what we do down the road. And I have countless examples of my golfers who have run into some real serious adversity but because they respond like mastery golfers have used that adversity to go out and win the next week. Sort of like that old saying of, you know, you learn from your mistakes. I guess they really take that to heart. Well, absolutely. And, and in fact, we have a process in place that I discuss in the book that describes exactly how we learn from our mistakes. 
Great. Let's talk a little bit about confidence out on the golf course and a golfer's ability to handle that adversity. Confidence, obviously important for athletes in any sport, but why do you think it's exactly, is it so important for a golfer to have confidence? Confidence is so interesting when it comes to the game of golf, because normally when people are confident, it's because of performance. In other words, the first place the brain goes to when gauging confidence are our prior experiences. But because, as we discuss in the book, results in score are so fickle, you have to root your confidence in non-traditional things, right? So, so mastery golfers root their confidence in their work ethic. They may root it in their ability to have great strategy. They may root it in their ability in their short game. So to build confidence in golf is a little bit of a different process than in other sports, again, because of the unique nature of the game. Now, the reason it's important is because research has shown that there is an inverse relationship between confidence and anxiety. So the more confident an individual is, generally the less anxious. Well, that's important because it's hard to play good golf with anxiety. Why? Well, anxiety increases muscle tension, It increases grip pressure, and it does all sorts of things to create stress hormones in the body that make even the best golf swings fall apart. Interesting. And uh, you offer much more detail in the book on this point, but you say that a flow state is something that a golfer can maintain over much more than 9 or 18 holes. You say it can actually carry over to an entire tournament, multiple tournaments. How difficult is it for a golfer to get back into that state after they conclude a round? Well, it is difficult. I'll tell you, I actually I asked Arnold Palmer, I said, tell him about uh, the project we were working on. And he said that looking back, he felt like he was in flow for about 15 or 20 years. No kidding. And, uh, and now the reality is I think that's more a fond recollection than an accuracy. But in my experience and in my interviews with golfers, different people slip into flow differently. You know, Adam Scott, for example, told me he slides into flow almost every round for at least a little while. Whereas other golfers will tell me that, hey, they only get into flow once a month, but when they do, it's for a whole week. The original founder of the idea of flow, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, said that there are people who have what are called autotelic personalities. And those are individuals who can find that sweet spot of challenge that lets them get into flow more frequently. And that's what I talk about in the book is trying to find that sweet spot in the mind where you're challenging yourself the right way, you've got your attention focused, and you're loving the competitive aspect of the game of golf. Great. And let's talk about flow in more of a general sense. It's pretty obvious that getting in a flow state can help a normal golfer transcend his or her ordinary abilities. What about regular people? You know, what about me? Is flow something I could experience? And, you know, is there some potential there that I could tap into that I, you know, never knew existed? Not only is that possible, it's probable. It is very common for amateurs and high handicappers to get into flow. And that's the beautiful thing about it is because when people get into flow, it lets them glimpse their potential, right? So the amateur golfer who's hacking around, uh, week after week, but all of a sudden you may trip into a flow state and go play the best round of his or her life. So you, even if you're a 15 or a 20 handicap, and all of a sudden there's one particular day where you're you're on fire, right? You're in flow, you're in the zone. So it's very possible for high handicappers to get into flow. And and again, one of the ways, you know, if you're not a very serious golfer but you want to enjoy the game, 
a good way to get in the flow is to not think too much about your golf swing, but just think about your target. So that's one of the little triggers we use with amateur golfers is just teach them that it's almost like the game of darts. Just find a target, commit to a target, and all of a sudden their body starts naturally reacting to the target. And we have all sorts of little ways that we help amateurs get into flow and ultimately play the best golf of their life. Okay, and let's talk about one of the golfers you work with. You mentioned him earlier, but Matt Kuchar, been one of the most consistent players on the PGA Tour over the past several years. And in the book, you talk about Matt being somebody who really gets it, that he achieves a state of flow largely because he enjoys the game of golf so much. And that may sound simple to a lot of people, but that's really a big thing. Can you talk a little bit about Matt's approach to the game and how it helps him produce great results? Well, for sure. You know, everyone who watches Matt Kuchar play golf can see that he has a smile on his face all the time. You know, I've heard people make the argument and they say, oh, well, if I was playing for a million dollars, I would be smiling too. (laughs) But what people don't understand is before Matt was playing for a million dollars a week, he flipped his mind and made the commitment to enjoying the game. In other words, he has said, golf will beat you up all by itself. There's no point in giving it a hand by beating yourself up. So he very quickly put his priorities in place and said, you know what, happiness is my number one priority. My family is more important than some score on a golf card. And by really getting his priorities in place, he was able to start enjoying the game more. And then, as it almost always happens, by enjoying the game more, he started playing better. And that's what people don't understand. People think that, hey, you know what, I'll be happy once I start playing better. They don't understand that it's actually the opposite, that you have to get happy first, and then very often you start playing better. Because if you're not happy, you're more likely to react badly out there. You're more likely to get frustrated. All these things compromise your performance. So there really are very specific reasons why being in a good frame of mind And being happy can lead to good golf. You know, every year around the beginning of the golf season, you know, early spring, I think we see ads for all kinds of new golf equipment and tools. Does that stuff kind of really serve as a distraction from people using their minds and really kind of figuring things out themselves? It can, right? It depends on, on what people do. There's no doubt that we are in the midst of a revolution right now technologically. And so there is very good technology. But again, people have to realize The human brain can only process so much information at any given moment in time. When we overthink or get too much information, even if it's about equipment, that's when we start clogging our mind up. The metaphor I like to use is like a paper shredder. When you put too many sheets of paper into a paper shredder, it's going to clog. It's going to jam it. Well, the brain is the same way. Too much information jams the brain, makes it lock up. And so that's why we want to not think too much about equipment or our golf swing. We want to simply think about our targets. Good ideas, definitely. And finally, I'm sure our listeners and people who are going to be reading your book would be interested to know about your own golf game. It seems that, you know, the mental part of the game is something people are going to be working on their whole lives, maybe. How have you applied what you teach in golf flow to your own approach? Well, that's the beautiful thing about doing a project like this is by understanding flow, I automatically start building it into my own golf game and my own life. When you understand sort of the ups and downs of the game and you're able to keep your composure through them, it naturally produces better golf. So my golf game is better than it's ever been. I play 
golf with some very prominent people. I've played with Tiger Woods. I've played with Jack Nicklaus. I play with Justin Rose, Camila Bajegas. And of course, I get nervous like anybody else. But it's really cool to be able to feel those nerves, to apply these ideas, and to generate really good golf and know that they work. I mean, heck, if they work for me and I don't practice all that much, they can work for anybody. Well, whether it's a professional looking for a competitive edge, a recreational golfer trying to find more enjoyment and success, golfers everywhere endlessly striving to improve, that's for sure. And Golf Flow is a book that will help you immeasurably when it comes to the always important mental side of the game. Dr. Valiante, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you joining us on Kinetic Connections. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That was Dr. Gio Valiante, author of Golf Flow, and a man named as one of the 40 most influential people in golf under the age of 40 by Golf Magazine. You can now find Golf Flow in bookstores everywhere or by visiting us online at humankinetics.com. On our website, you can also read excerpts from the book and learn more about Dr. Gio Valiante. We appreciate your feedback about Kinetic Connections. If you have questions or comments, please email us at publicity at hkusa.com. That's publicity at hkusa.com. I'm Maury Willington, Marketing and Publicity Manager at Human Kinetics. Our engineer was Roger Francisco. We appreciate you joining us for this edition of Kinetic Connections.